This is the Education Gadfly Show. Colonel, which you should do, readers. Uh, listeners, listeners, you should be readers. Uh, <laughs> you should do both. What does Gadfly say? Hello, this is your host, Mike Petrilli at the Thomas B. Fordham Institute here at the Education Gadfly Show and online at edexcellence.net. And now, please join me in welcoming my co-host, the Meghan Merkel of Education Reform, Alyssa Schwenk. Hey, Mike, are you excited for a royal wedding, too? I am excited. <laughs> Victoria in our office uh, is very excited yes. as well. She is not very far removed from uh, from the UK. I think she's actually a British citizen still. That's yeah, right. And I understand that, that her her mother threw a party last time that included uh, their own custom wedding cake. Yes, there is also in Victoria's house. Um, they have the commemorative mugs from many royal weddings of past. I love yeah. it. Also joining us, our own Prince Brandon Wright. Uh, Our own Prince Harry. So, hey. I don't uh, care so much about this stuff. Just, to, <laughs> yeah. just for the uh, record. You know now what a fascinator is because I wear one every Halloween when I come I as do. Kate Middleton. I did, I did learn yeah. that word. I heard you said it. It's, it's I look, a, it a royal wedding. Hey, uh, what, what is it? It's something about the Americans that we, we are fascinated by this sort of thing. I even mean, though we're happy not to have our own royal family. Oh, yeah. No. And I know in Britain, it's this whole like debate over republicanism. For us, it's just like a fun fairy tale in real life with great clothes. It is pretty cool. And uh, yeah, and, and he's marrying an American. So, mm-hmm. you know, the, the special relationship will be that much more special now. Yeah. Between these two great powers. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I'm excited. All right. Very exciting. Okay. But this is not a podcast about the royal family. This no. is a podcast about education. Let's do Ed Reform Update. Okay, Alyssa, Brandon, the topic for this week, uh, because I decided to write about it, (laughs) Mm -hmm. is about charter schools and why are they more popular in some states than others? I was able to get my greedy little hands on some polling data that was commissioned this summer, a state-by-state polling data in a dozen states, nine of which have sizable charter sectors, and we could see, uh, based on decent samples not huge but decent samples whether or uh, you know just just how favorable mm-hmm. people view charter schools in mm-hmm. these states and the question is if we can learn anything from this try to figure out why it might be that they are more popular in some other places so let me first tell our listeners if you have not read my post uh, education gadfly editorial which you should do readers uh Listeners, listeners, you should be readers. Uh, You should do both. You should do both. Uh, both. All right, here's how it goes down. Okay, Georgia comes out number one uh, with 50% of voicing support for charter schools. Then Tennessee, Mm -hmm. uh, then California, Arizona, Colorado, New York, Louisiana, Illinois, and way down at the bottom, our home state of Ohio. Thank you, everyone. 24%. Uh, So uh, some of these differences probably aren't that big considering the size of the sample and all that stuff. But Georgia's out there pretty far at 50%. uh, That's above a national average of 40%. And uh, certainly Illinois and Ohio are way down below. Illinois, 33%. Ohio, 24%. Those certainly seem to be big differences and the question is why 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 should we talk about some of these reasons let's talk about some of these reasons all right so the first obvious thing is to say well is it just politics right if charter schools uh let's say uh, appeal more to conservatives then you'd mm-hmm. say well then maybe more conservative states are going to have more support for them right does that play out brandon certainly no. not with california up there right california is towards the top uh you've got louisiana towards the bottom that doesn't seem to fit 
Nope. All right. So that doesn't fit. Then you say, hey, maybe it has to do with quality, right? Maybe charter schools are more popular in places where the charter schools are good. That would be a wonderful thing. That if would that be were like true. the Fordham hypothesis. Uh, it would be. It would mean that the, the world works like we want it to work. I mean, there are some really successful charter schools in New York, and there are some people who really, really, really hate charter schools in New York. Yeah, so, and I that's ex- and that's exactly right. That that does not that hypothesis doesn't seem to pan out either. Uh, I mean, in some cases, Tennessee, uh, for example, has pretty strong charter schools. They're towards the top, but uh, New York, according to Credo, at least has some of the best charter schools in the country. Mm-hmm. They're in there in the middle, uh, kind of towards bottom. Uh, you know, Illinois are, are decent. They're towards the bottom. So this this doesn't quite fit. Now, Ohio, again, it fits there. Ohio's charter schools yeah. suck, stink, uh, stank, stunk in the spirit of the Grinch. Uh, but uh, we are working on them, making them better, by the way. All right, but that doesn't really explain it there. I looked at other stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. The size of the sector, you know, are they more popular if there's lots of charters or there's not mm-hmm. too many charters? Not that I can see. But I finally hit on something that I think it doesn't fit perfectly, but I think could perhaps explain at least the big trends. Are you ready for it? I'm ready. Drum roll. <laughs> All right. It is this. When charter schools serve a relatively high proportion of middle class and affluent kids, in other words, they're not just for poor kids, they seem to be more popular. Okay. So mm-hmm. you look at a place like Georgia where it turns out there's actually fewer poor kids in charter schools than in to the traditional public schools. The charters, there are charters out there serving middle-class kids. Uh, same situation in California, uh, where there have been charters for a long, long time, and many of them are in the suburbs, even some mm-hmm. small towns, uh, and they serve a more affluent population. On the flip side, uh, you've got New York, Illinois, and Ohio, where by law, the charters have to be located in basically urban areas, uh, high poverty areas, and thus uh, they serve very few middle-class kids mm-hmm. and they are among uh, the places where the charters are least popular. Uh, mm-hmm. And therefore, it may say that, look, if it's uh, when people think about charter schools, if they think of those as schools for poor kids, their opinion of them is not as high. So remind yeah. me again mm-hmm. what percentage of the population across the country generally falls um, under the uh, free or reduced It's about 50% right now. 50%. Yeah. 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 Uh, But that's just kids. Those are kids. And those, and keep in mind. So what percentage of the population falls under whatever the cutoff is? And I'm not just talking about kids. Well, my, I'm asking because I'm, I'm thinking, right. If these schools tend to just serve poor kids and poor kids don't make up that much of the population of voters of people whom they're asking. Right. I mean, just humans in general tend to not really care that much about things that don't affect them, right? Yep. So, like, if, yep. if it's not something mm-hmm. that their kids could possibly go to, if it's not something that really affects them, then, right. like, gifted education has this problem in part because the vast majority of parents, it just doesn't affect them. Except they all think their own parents. Like, Everyone thinks so their own kids. Which it. makes it even well, so worse. more complicated. So, look, <laughs> the, the cynical way to look at this, Alyssa, is this old adage of uh, people that, that, that you, you people on the left use all the time. <laughs> oh, yeah! <laughs> Sorry, uh, that you know, a, a program for the poor is a poor program. Right, this notion that uh, you know, when you have say targeted programs, welfare programs, it is hard to maintain support for them. 
uh, versus universal programs like Social Security. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, because especially poor people uh, don't vote as much. They don't have much power, uh, you know, because of their yeah. situation, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, Americans are just not that huge fans of programs just for poor people uh, as much as maybe broader programs. <laughs> and, uh, you know, this related, you know, prejudice that people may say that, oh, when you think about good schools, those are schools that affluent parents send their kids to. And if uh, if it's a school with a lot of poor kids, it's probably not a good school. We know mm-hmm. that's not true and not fair, but right. that may be the perception. Right now, I mean, I think to me, the thing that you don't really get into that I think could play a critical role is the perception and whether or not what the narrative around charter schools in that state is. Yeah. Um, you know, we did a report a couple of years ago called Choice Friendly Cities. And one of the things that we looked at as a critical component was like, are you getting supportive op-eds in the local paper, mm-hmm. stuff like that? And so, you know, you look at this list, like New York has a really combative narrative around charter schools frequently. Ohio, the narrative is that the schools are terrible. Yeah. Georgia, Arizona, Tennessee, less so. So I think that might play a part. But on the like prejudice racial thing, like I'd be interested to see um, a breakout of support. And I realize this poll had about yeah. 300 supporters. Yeah. So it's really teeny uh, tiny. Respondents per state. Per state. Right. But I think like that, particularly in kind of today's environment and kind of the battles that we're having between different factions or people who think that there are different factions, like I think that's an important yeah. part of both the narrative and then the perception mm-hmm. and the support for charter yeah. schools. And to be clear, there are some outliers. I mean, so Tennessee, uh, its charter schools mostly serve poor kids, and yet uh, it has very strong support, mm-hmm. 45%. Now, Tennessee, there, there's a perception, and I think based in reality. Yeah, it's a turnaround narrative. That, that it, those, these schools tend to be pretty good. Yeah. Um, it's also a conservative state, so maybe people are predisposed to like uh, charter schools there. So what, uh, Arizona, what, like, I don't know why Arizona doesn't do better. I don't know it's why. A, it's a place that's where, the biggest again, outlier. There's lots of middle class charters in Arizona, lots of high performing charters, and they're kind of middling on this. Uh, you know, in terms of support, you know, you look at say Illinois versus Ohio. You know, they they serve a similar population, but the charters in Illinois are generally higher performing, not as many mm-hmm. scandals, and that that may be why they do yeah. relatively I'll, better. I'll tell you what sort of fascinates me about this is if you asked me before you showed me this stuff, right, what drives support for charters in a given place? I would say, look, it's probably very complicated. There's a lot of things and the majority of them are probably right. Just what is going on there? What are the sort of local issues like Alyssa talked about? Mm -hmm. What sort of goes related to charters or just politics related to charters and politics? I'd say both. I'd say both. Yeah. Sure. sure. You're. I would say, I would guess that it's mostly things that are happening in the small area, yeah, in the state, in the school districts, et cetera, things that are specific yeah. to these local mm-hmm. areas. What goes against this is the majority of these states fall sort of right around what the national support for charter schools yeah. are. Yeah. Like there's the Ohio outlier and sort of the Georgia outlier, but they all sort of fall around 40. And if that's the case, then... It seems like the things that are actually driving charter support are national yeah. because there's 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 not a lot of difference, actually, especially right. when the sample is 300 yep. people, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That surprises me. Yeah. I mean, I think that might be in, that's a good hypothesis and a good point. But, you know, you think about how many people know about charter schools and it comes mm-hmm. up in Next and it comes up in PDK and it comes up in uh, the poll by Kristen Solti-Sanderson that we talked about a few weeks ago. Like people don't have a ton of knowledge about charter schools. And then you start ticking through like what's happening in each of these states. Well, Georgia, biggest metro area is Atlanta. The public school system there has been under a lot of negative publicity and turmoil over the last 
decade. Um, definitely turning around now, but there's kind of that perception there. And then the charters, you have Drew, you have kind of the kind of charters that Mike is talking about. So I yeah. think maybe that kind of, well, everything works together. No, and look, and, mm-hmm. and, and it is mm-hmm. true that, you know, it, it may be that the the real drivers here are fundamentally ideology mm-hmm. and politics, right? Mm-hmm. That it's just going to be hard, uh, you know, if, if, if you're Illinois, if you're New York, it's mm-hmm. tough. Uh, because you're so blue, but then there's California, you know, so maybe it's politics combined with the demographics of charters. And yeah. look, I think, you know, in terms of things we can control, we can't change ideology of a population of a state mm-hmm. or the politics. Or, but what we can do is we could build more middle-class charter schools. You know, we could build mm-hmm. more charter schools that are diverse by design, you know, that are located in the suburbs that, uh, you know, and, and say that, you know, if Ohio and Illinois and New York had a charter movement that looked more like California's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if they had, didn't have these laws that limited charters just to the toughest neighborhoods uh, in the States, uh, look, they might have more support overall. And that, by the way, you know, even if some of those schools weren't serving poor kids, that might end up mm-hmm. helping poor kids, you know, because that overall environment of support was helping uh, to get yeah. Exactly good policies right. yeah. yep. If there were like two, there were a couple of states on this list that I was surprised and kind of wished that I could see data on their support. If there were like two states that you guys would want to see to like further test your hypotheses, which two would they be? Oh boy. Michigan for one. Yep. That's on my list. Yep. Mm, yeah. What else? Florida. 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 Yep. I was also thinking uh, Pennsylvania and Massachusetts since the ballot initiative just yeah. failed there. would be yeah. really interesting. Absolutely. But. These places where there have been sort of a local battle that has gone to a national stage, yeah. I'd be interested yeah. to see what, mm-hmm. what effect that. All right, everybody. We'll take a look and see what you think. These are all conjectures, of course. Uh, but, uh, you know, something here. I think that can maybe teach us a few things. Yeah, agree. Neat stuff. All right. Now it's time for everyone's favorite Amber's Research Minute. Welcome back, Amber. Thank you, Mike. You excited about the royal wedding? I don't think I know too much about it. <laughs> what? Well, stick by me in Victoria. I mean, you heard it. Prince Harry. Much. Prince Harry oh getting married. Yes, I've Prince Harry's I engaged. Did, I did see it in the tabloid. Yes. Sorry. Yes. When I was standing in the line at the grocery store. Yeah. Okay. There <laughs> you go. Excellent. He's engaged uh, whenever the wedding, which I think will be May 18th. I am ready to ah. put a hard guess there. Victoria and I will be eating crumpets and watching nice. the coverage in the conference room. All right. Golly. You got to love this girl, right? What is she in for? I mean, what? A life when you sign and, on for these they, they they met on a blind date yeah what like really, really? what is that like <laughs> i mean i, I have a blind it, date with the prince and of who Wales. goes out what? on those people really do that now uh, the, yeah but i don't think it was completely blind i don't think she like just walked in and was like oh hey Right. You're Prince yeah. Harry. Like, right. She that probably could knew not have happened. happened. Yeah. I mean, it's probably like, if you're Prince Harry, you probably can't like, go on the dating apps. That would be <laughs> so, I guess it's true. probably true. Right? Probably. They got a whole system for yeah. the royal yeah. types. Yeah. Whole yeah. protocol. All right, Amber, what do you have for us? Uh, We have a new study out in Ed, Finance, and Policy, that journal that we all know and love. It examines how teachers view support in the workplace from administrators and parents, and whether these supports impact the retention of different race teachers. 
all this stuff around huh. same race teacher, different race teacher, you know, all this. So it's a whole sort okay. of re- new interest in this. Right. So part of the theory. <laughs> because some database tells you the race of the teacher yeah, and the race of the student. And, and so someone's like, woohoo, here we go. This. Okay. Uh, so part of the theory motivating the study is that minority teachers who teach in non-diverse schools derive less utility from their social setting than their white colleagues due to social identity theory. Did you guys ever heard of social identity theory? The grad school, yeah. All right. Well, anyway, that's what the whole study is motivated by. Okay. Analysts use four waves of data from the schools and staffing survey, covering about 99, 2000 through 11, 12. The survey uses a stratified sampling design where school administrators complete a school and principal survey, including one where they report on whether teachers move to a different school. So we got a variable about whether these teachers left or not. Mm -hmm. And teachers within the sampled schools are also sampled at random and they complete surveys on the working conditions in their school, among a bunch of other things. And then teachers are asked about support from the leadership, the teachers, the parents, all these different types of folks. For instance, one question asks if the administration is supportive and encouraging. Another says, are staff members recognized for a job well done? So you Mm kind of get the taste of these things. Uh, Analysts separate schools into low minority, which means 10% or less uh, minority teachers. And minority is non-white and Hispanic. And high minority schools with 15% or more minority teachers. Okay. Okay. So you got low and high minority. The final sample includes 115,000 public school teachers, a lot, and 21,000 schools. They control for a load of school level variables like proportion of kids on free and reduced lunch, parental income, a bunch of other school characteristics, a big long list of them. Mm hmm. Findings. Number one, the effect of support is strongest for minority teachers in schools where minorities are underrepresented. Specifically, support from the administration in particular reduces the likelihood of moving to a different school for all teachers. But the relationship is especially pronounced for non-white and Hispanic teachers, Mm -hmm. where 10% of fewer of all teachers are also non-white or Hispanic. Okay. In schools... Yeah, and yeah. how do you define support again? Support is those questions I just told you about. Okay. They're self-reported. Okay. My administrator okay. pats me on the back. Mm-hmm. He's supportive, yada, yada. Um, the magnitude of the relationship between principal support and turnover is twice as large for minority mm-hmm. than it is for non-minority teachers. Kind of what I just told you. For example, one standard deviation increase in administrative support Mm-hmm. on these questions is associated with 2.4 percentage point decrease in the probability that a non-white or Hispanic teacher will move to another school. And this is for all types of schools? Or well, no, just, no. We're oh, this, okay. Yeah, we're breaking it down into the, the big finding that popped was when they looked in the sort of more diverse and less diverse schools. Okay, okay. Um, focusing on teachers who were new to the profession also strengthened the results. So mm-hmm. we find that that that's even more important that they have that administrative support or else they could leave. Um, In addition, minority teachers at low minority schools have lower turnover rates when they're supervised by a minority principal as well. Mm -hmm. However, they do not find significant differences based on gender matching between the teacher and the principal. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's pretty much it. Um, so they end up wrapping up and saying workplace support is essential in maintaining a growing minority representation in relatively less diverse schools. Kind of where they ended up. Really? They made it into what do you think about that? <laughs> What's the journal called? EF? They did it. They did. This is the hot thing, right? Uh, so here's the question, Looking though. I feel race. like, you know, when we've talked about this before, there's all this evidence now mm-hmm. that 
uh, you, it's really important for kids of color to get to have access to teachers of color, mm-hmm. at least some of the time. And so kind of like, like, I mean, just if we're talking about, you know, a scarce resource here being uh, teachers of color, like, mm-hmm. do we really want them to be in schools where there aren't that many kids of color? I mean, it's great. I mean, I think for, for kids who are white or Asian who have access, you know, to get to have an African-American or Latina teacher is, is great. Mm-hmm. Right. But maybe we really need those teachers in schools where there's more African-American and Latino students themselves. Selves. Yeah. I, I don't you. know. Right? Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> there's really not enough to go around, frankly. Right. Yeah. And I think we need, I mean, we always say, like, how do we recruit more teachers yeah. of color in the profession? Right. What are we doing wrong? Starts right. early, yada, yada. So I'm just saying, I, I am personally more interested in saying, how do you keep great teachers of color in schools that mm-hmm. themselves have high numbers of students of color? And make sure those schools are high performing, which I think yeah. gets to yeah. the principal linkages. Right. right. But this is kind of a different question, <laughs> though, right? Yeah. It's more on the teacher side of, yeah. You know, how does a teacher need to feel supported? And yeah. in what settings is that workplace support even more important? Yeah, but it so. sounds, and but when you say, you said it right, it's where the finding popped. So it means that right. in some of these other situations, they weren't able to find much. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, and which is it's saying it's not, not, yeah. not important. Um, but they, yeah, they just, just more important in yeah. these other places. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. I mean, it's not, so it's not like they, they couldn't find the relationship. We said, well, then we don't care if an administrator support them. Right. Yeah. I mean, sure. Right. That seems like a <laughs> right. good thing you should do. Anyway, yes. What right. is the downside? What is the downside? I don't mean to rag on the study. I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm Amber, I don't know. Study. I mean, but what's what's somewhat interesting, right, is that the parental support didn't seem to matter, right? Yeah. You'd think that was interesting to feel me. supported by the parents. What does parent. that mean? How do we how do we well, parents support like a them? Question. I mean, and it's like the other ones. The parents you don't support email them at four a.m. asking them about a grade or intact. Like I've been in supportive relationships when I was teaching with parents and in yeah. unsupportive relationships and they feel very different. Right. And, and and the teacher support wasn't yeah. as important. Like mm-hmm. my colleagues support me. I yeah. learned from my colleagues, yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we didn't see that either. So, you know, sometimes it is just as interesting what you don't see Our, is what you do see. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I thought that principal finding was very interesting, Amber. Well, thank you, Alyssa. <laughs> and good news of federal survey data right School we have a study survey. coming out using some federal survey data we do mm-hmm. so uh yeah that's that. a very generic and broad plug but hey there it is <laughs> all right well till next time uh, enjoy your crumpets i'm Melissa schwenk and i'm mike petrilli at the thomas b fordham institute signing off the education gadfly show is a production of the thomas b fordham institute located in washington dc For more information, visit us online at edexcellence.net.